This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. The First Lady of New York Radio, Joan Hamburg. Entertaining and informative. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Welcome, everyone. Welcome to the Joan Hamburg Show. And I know that you know her, but Ginger Z wears a lot of hats. She's the chief meteorologist at ABC News. You see her on Good Morning America. She's on so many of their news broadcasts and their digital platforms. She's managing editor of the client unit at ABC News. She's a best-selling author, just out with her second book, A Little Closer to Home, How I Found the Calm After the Storm. She's a wife. She's a mom. She does a million things before most of us even open our eyes in the morning. So welcome to you, Ginger. Thank you, Joan. And you know, it's funny, as I finished your book, A Little Closer to Home, I kept thinking of, you know, that song, Reach Out and Touch Someone, because Mm -hmm. that's a gift that you have. And that's what you did, not only in the first book, but in the second book, by sharing your journey as a kid to where you are now in such a way that so many people can relate to it. You know, every teenage girl goes through all kinds of aggravations, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. you take everyone through this perfect child, this journey, a lot mm-hmm. of successes, depression, healing, anguish, and the ability to step over it and come back and find yourself. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's, I thank you for saying that and for reading both the books, because I do think that I never intended to write books. I never thought I would be writing books, but the, it is so powerful to share our stories. And that's what I've really learned about it is it doesn't matter if I read Jessica Simpson's book, or Will Smith's book, I find myself in their stories. And that's the beauty of this and, and why I was so encouraged to keep writing. Because when I talk about coming through some of the traumas of my life and some of the really deep and dark places, saying things out loud, being honest with myself, and then writing them down have been the most powerful therapy of all. And that's the thing that everybody has access to. But at the same time, I realize that I'm in this beautiful place where I've got the privilege of having financial ability and family support and really great therapy that I've been able to get to a place that others don't even dream that they deserve. And that's where I was. And I want to make sure that people get access to it. Right. And, And somewhere inside of you, you had a survivor instinct that even through the darkest times, and you're very open about mm-hmm. this perfect kid who learned how to hide behind the facade of the perfect child, and mm-hmm. you know, and did all this stuff. And also, you know what I think was really an important message, the effect that divorce, even with you know, sort of solid parents who you know cared about mm-hmm. you, but 
divorce is traumatic for kids, whether they're teens, little or older. And that was, that could be a separate book in itself. The effect that that had on you, your brother, without anyone even realizing, because, you know, parents thought they were doing the best they could do. And they were, you know, the 1980s, it was a lot different. If, if you can go around and ask anybody who had divorced parents in the 80s and say they did a good job, I'll be like, wow, I've not heard of that before. Because I feel like it was societally something that we just, it had just come out of, okay, you're allowed to kind of be divorced, right? So what do you do with that? How do you do it? There was no guidebook. There was nothing, you know, I've taken so much blame away from my parents by realizing how little help they had. And realizing now, thanks to the modeling of other people, how some of my friends were divorced, I look at their situation and I'm like, holy cow, that's called divorce? That's spectacular. (laughs) No, they make it. It's not not impactful because either way it's impactful, but it certainly can be done better. And I think the more we talk about it and the more we talk about the real implications for kids, that's when we're going to see a a shift of the needle in, in what it means to someone's life later on. Right. And in your life, your parents didn't talk to each other. So you kids were mm-hmm. cast in the role of being the mediator and how mm-hmm. to pretend everything was fine. It's daddy's time. It's your mother's time. Your dad brought home a girlfriend that whom you absolutely mm-hmm. loved, you know, mm-hmm. and then you have to deal with the guilt of all of that. How do you tell your mother? I had a great time with dad's girlfriend. <laughs> yes, that's my that's one of my favorite chapters. Um, her name was Pam, and she became my stepmother. And I think now that I'm in this place where I've been married for almost a decade, and I've got two young children, I have such empathy for all sides, for all of them. Because back then, I could have never understood what it meant for me to run into my mother and say, "Dad's new girlfriend looks exactly like my Barbie." <laughs> that, right. that does right. not it well, especially with the man who you haven't spoken to and won't speak to because there's such anger and frustration. So I think looking at it from the kid's perspective and then seeing where it went from there and watching, you know, a step parent, it is, they are an alien in your life. And I look at, there are good and there are bad and there, but there are people who have just not been emotionally coached to be a step parent. Who has, right? That should be a whole class before you start it. Exactly. And when both your parents, others, and they both had other relationships, when they Mm -hmm. both, each of them had a new baby, I mean, this is, you know, you can cuckoo, but how awful for the Mm -hmm. child, the original um, child. Uh, you know, they, it was they, like we were right? left from both families. Yeah, we were we were really separated from both families. And, and even though we were there, it was an obvious, both a lot of times physical, but definitely emotional separation. And it's, again, not to their, you know, now I understand they really were just doing the best. There are so many families like my family. I just don't think anybody talks about later in life that you kind of got to process it. You have to go through it. The responsibility of of my parents saying, you know what, now I see that that was hard on you. Do you know how light that can make somebody feel Mm. (laughs) after holding it for 20 years or so? Uh, It's hard for them, too. It's hard for them because they feel like they failed. And that's what that's the beauty of the book is I'm going into this parenting thing like knowing I'm going to fail. And then knowing I'm going to succeed in some places, and it has, I hope, will help other people kind of set themselves up for the journey. And that's what it really is about. It's about the ridges and the troughs, and you cannot, you can't make a storm without sun, and you can't 
keep a storm. It, it always passes. And that's how I think every single day, every moment that I get trapped in or think I'm trapped in, I'm like, wait a minute, this is passing. It's actually already passed, right? That, <laughs> and right. So and yeah, go ahead, Ginger. And you took such such chances in so many ways as the perfect little girl you courted danger in ways and you chose you know a very unusual profession for the best yeah. cheerleader and everything else <laughs> how did that all come about most young girls the cheerleader mm -hmm. girls look at the football hero and don't mm -hmm. say oh you know i'm going to be a weather chaser or i'm going to fly with falcons mm -hmm glide above the world somewhere. How did that even enter your fertile brain coming of age? I think that I've learned that people are stimulated by one of two things. They're either stimulated by outside forces like nature and um, non-human, basically. And then the others are stimulated by humans. A lot of times we are fit into these two categories of introvert or extrovert, which I, I don't think that there are just the two. I think that many of us have many parts of both. But when you're talking about what stimulates a person and what gets them knowing that they will have value, I really found value in the stimulation of the atmosphere. I loved watching it. I loved that it was a puzzle that I could figure out and that I could put together and actually get right, right, the verification of a forecast. So that really did draw me to storm chasing and that's where it really started and when i saw the movie twister you were you were hooked I, thought, I was hooked i thought if helen hunt's character is doing that which thankfully hollywood you know embellishes because none of the science in that movie is right at all uh but the and and there were not women leading tornado chasing at that time not but at it all. gave me just like they talk about representation matters it mattered there that showed me this is a job you could do and so i went to a college where you were able to chase tornadoes and get college credit for it and that excitement and that kind of the verification of a tornado that gave me value and that it's a little sick you know thinking about it because i was missing it from people around me i was i was definitely thin in the the family department because they were really focused on their new families and a lot of times the other thing that people will do in that situation is grab a microphone both my of brother course. and i did that because we were like please somebody listen to us please somebody come watch what we do because we've got to do something so amazing so big and that's where I think the other part of the drive was. So I think part of it was the actual stimulation. Like, I really enjoy that. Now, at the same time, my husband, for a living, he goes on Fifth Avenue and makes people dance. That's my nightmare. You know, like the, <laughs> the, the stimulation of, of taking a stranger and making them do yeah, something they don't want to do. No, thank well, you. Uh, because, uh, Ginger, <laughs> you were the little girl that had a please to feel accepted and feel right. whole. So, you know, that would be a nightmare for you. That's right. <laughs> and, and whereas I could go to a hurricane and I know about it and it is going to treat me as I know it has in time and time again. And the science part of it um, really attracts me. And so I think that and then the adrenaline comes along with it. And I think the adventure Part of it, too, I think is just about I, I needed to feel. And a lot of times, and I think a lot about the first skydive I did live on TV. I'd done a couple of them before. But I think a lot about what I was sitting on the side of this airplane. And all I could think was, I'm hungry. That is so odd. That is not how a normal yeah. person <laughs> thinks. Not at all. 
12,000 feet up about to do this jump live on TV. And I'm like, man, what did I not eat enough? And I'm hearing them count in my ear like it's going to be back to the back from the break in three, two, one. And I'm like, oh, hi. Okay, yeah, let's jump out of an airplane. I got to eat. Right. <laughs> so and then I let's need, do it I again. I process feeling. <laughs> Yes, I needed to process feeling, and I think I've gotten there because now I'm developing these really healthy connections with people that I love, and and I'm able to do that because I've been able to fuse my identity, and this is something that I talk a lot about in the book, but even since writing it, I've got an analogy that's working so well, and it feels like I'm a fuse box where a lot of my fuses were, were burnt out and needed to be flipped, and now they've been flipped, and I'm ready to light. I am lit up, and, and I'm feeling like I know where to turn one off when I need to if that makes sense. Of course. I'm talking to Jin Jazee, who's the chief meteorologist at ABC News. Her second book, A Little Closer to Home, and it's her finding calm after the storm. And the storm was a lot in the life of a youngster, a teenager, and a young adult. She went through depression. She went through hospitalization, through abortion through more things than you can imagine and came out on the other side and chose a profession that isn't like an executive assistant or some starting job. It was a really tough and a tough get. And then to that, you went to this special college. Did they talk about television and weather? Is is that where you did that? (laughs) No, I, you know, my college, actually, I would, I would even say they discouraged it at the time that I went. They thought broadcasting was kind of a waste, and most of the meteorologists event, eventually would go work either for the National Weather Service or they would work for private companies or even, um, you know, do kind of NASA or space interaction. So it was not, I was the only one in my class that went into television. So I did that because I did an internship after I had seen Twister and gotten into the storm chasing. I saw, I did this internship because my professor said, you know, when you stand up in front of the class and you're discussing the weather, you know, of the day, you're really good at it. I think you should check out broadcasting. And I was like, no, I was so shy, painfully shy. And he said, do me a favor and just apply for some internships. And I did, and I got this internship that was so fortuitous because it is with a weather king in our industry named James Spann. And I saw how this guy communicated the science I loved so much, and I thought, wait a minute, that that's pretty sweet. And so then I kind of put this hybrid of I'd love to be what Helen Hunt was plus James Spann, and that's what I became. And that, you know, it feels really surreal to have imagined that and then have it be happening. I'm talking to Ginger Z. So what do you think after the second book and after really reliving it again from the anorexia to the family issues, what do you think enabled you to get through serious depressions, suicide attempts, and like talking to yourself along the way, you know, which Ginger were you? What gave you the ability you describe when you came out of a hospital and you were whole and a mm-hmm. woman you met husband didn't come out and you had something in you that allowed you to go through the worst stuff? I, I do think that a big part of it is is being a dreamer, if that makes sense. Dreaming and and... And the want or need for success, 
I do think at the beginning was part of why I kept finding even a sliver of hope. Uh, when mm-hmm. I think about when I came out, when I, why I went to the hospital finally, because I had needed inpatient therapy for a very long time, probably a decade before I finally went and said, okay, I'm ready. When I did that, it was me saying, I'm ready to attack this. But a big reason I went was because I was between jobs and I was about to start at ABC News. I was going to work with Diane Sawyer. And here I was in a cop car trying to get away from my abusive uh, ex-boyfriend. Boyfriend. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I kept thinking, wait a minute. This is not a, the picture of a woman that Diane Sawyer wants on her program. And so in an odd way, I do think that the you know, the, the goals or the career part of what kept going up and up and up, thankfully and fortunately, that is what somewhat drove me at the very beginning. Beginning, That was the glimmer of hope that I said, I've got to get myself straight. I have to get out of this. And, and, that's, and then it got much broader from there, and I built a core of someone who I'm very proud of now, but it took me a decade to do that. Yeah, but you did it. And, and part of the early ginger who had to have control, and that's a story common to a lot of people who suffer from eating disorders, mm-hmm. that ginger, a part of that ginger enabled you to become a whole person. But once you married, had these two boys, were you scared that you were going to duplicate the same thing? Or did you say... Never. This is going to be, it's going to work. That's the difference is I, if you would have asked me prior to getting the, the really, the, the correct type of therapy, which, which was because I finally got the right diagnosis, if you would have asked me in any of my therapies prior, uh, I would have said, no way. I, I'm so worried about repeating the past. I'm so worried about that. I'm the opposite now. I'm so excited to see what I can do differently. I am so excited to see where I can recognize in my children where they might need support. I'm excited to see who I can help well beyond my family. I'd like to find this platform and this uh, success with books about mental health and actually build a place where the privilege I've had is accessible to other people. Because if you look around, even if you have a lot of money, if you need real help, it's hard to get somewhere Very for more hard. than five, six days. Mm. It is extremely difficult. Mm. How can that be? How can the number one issue in our country be the thing that nobody has a place to go to get help? That, that, that is so wrong and backwards. So can I become more than just a mental health advocate for awareness and actually take action? And that's the exciting part of it, I think, about this next no, it is. year and my why. And you know, Ginger, after this pandemic, if we're hoping but afraid to say anything if it ever slows down or comes to a place i think we're going to have a real national issue dealing with all of this mental health people have been isolated they're depressed children are Mm -hmm. depressed you know i told the story of my grandkid nine and she said to me i hope she said before the end of what's left of my childhood. This is a little kid. Before what's left of the end of my childhood, I don't have to deal with COVID every day, morning, noon, and night. And I think if this kid is saying that, imagine kids all over who have to deal with homeschooling, with not seeing friends, with isolation. It's issues. The anxiety that's provoked from something that is terrifying that you can't 
you can only do so much to protect yourself. I think, you know, you think about in war times, and I'm sure hiding under desks and having bomb shelters. And then even I I relate it to natural disaster because I grew up in a place where we had every Friday tornado uh, drills. Mm -hmm. You know, that type of that type of event that you have no control over, this is their tornado drill, but they do it every day. And you can't imagine, at least with these other things, we've learned how, and with the war, right, it ends, and, and that, that anxiety releases. And you say, okay, now we're not going to be bombed. Um, I think about both me and about the bad guy drill they do. So they do a school shooter drill. And they have, the co- they have masks on the whole time. And I'm thinking, what a wild way to grow up. Can you imagine? I can't. They don't know a life. My two little boys don't know a life without masks. Right. I think That's about that all the time. Every little mm-hmm. kid having to deal with it. Well, you did a great job. Congratulations. <laughs> you. And you can see Ginger all the time because she's all <laughs> over ABC. And you can watch her with the weather and everything else. A little closer to home, book number two. I look forward to talking to you again. Thank you, Joan. Thanks for the thoughtful interview. I'm Joan Hamburg, and you're listening to your favorite station, radio station, WABC, more ahead.